0: just
1: gonna ask you hey what do you think what do i what do i think that's gonna be the new show yeah what do you think What does anthony think? <laughs> oh here we are welcome to freightonomics uh where we discuss what's going on in the freight world and combine that with the macroeconomics and also we're going to discuss what anthony thinks yes because <laughs> everyone inquiring minds want to know right and you know for those of you new to the show, uh, we typically, you know, break down what's going on. What's the most relevant topics in the uh, in the transportation space first in terms of stories of the day. And then we go into specific topics uh, in more detail, <clears throat> breaking those down. Uh, but first off, Anthony Smith, I believe we need to thank our sponsor. You've got to think some people. Should I think them? You can think I'm going to thank them. All right because they're an important part part of the
0: show. Um, Thanks to our sponsor at Amazon Freight. Amazon Freight, who knows you need more than any other truckload service provider, you need a partner that can help you navigate the world of logistics and plan for the future. Amazon Freight is helping shippers move their freight simply and reliably, while backed by the innovation and expertise that is the DNA of Amazon. Whether you have a few truckloads or to to have thousands to fill to move, um Amazon Freight is your partner for the road ahead. Visit uh, com to get started. freight.amazon.com to get started. So
1: freight.amazon.com. It's the reverse of their Yeah, I name. want to say Amazon Freight, yeah. but it's
0: freight.amazon.com, but we are very thankful for them.
1: Yes, thankful because it's about to be Thanksgiving and you know yeah, what that I means. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> you know what that, you know what that means. What's you that? know what Thanksgiving means. Turkeys? Um yeah, for if I ate meat, that would be my, my meat of choice. Yeah, that's crazy. No, it means that it's going <laughs> to be closer to holiday peak retail season and the transportation too. That's space. That's too. That's.
0: But it's kind of, kind of creeped forward, right, mm-hmm. with Amazon Prime Day being so far early in October. Black Friday deals really kind of ramping up throughout the month. And now don't we have like produce season kind of around the corner as well?
1: Well, there's certain, certain produce areas. seasons. But to your point, we've kind of had this expanded peak. Mm-hmm. You know, it started back in September. We saw our tender rejection rates and spot market rates uh, expand wildly throughout August, July. We saw the freight market really recover quickly. Supply chains have been strained all over the world. Uh, you know, one of the topics of today is one of the stories written by Greg Miller about box. the price of boxes. Uh, the containers uh, skyrocketed here yeah. at the last bit because they have not been able to secure enough boxes in, in China to ship all the freight across the world. And a lot of that has to do with imbalance of the boxes. You know, you have, uh, a lot of surging demand here in the United States, uh, where, you know, consumers have been spending more money than we thought that they would. Yeah. Uh, a lot of consumers are also buying new things, home improvement way, the American way. Um, and you know, but other than that, you know, since September 1st, we are in this expanded peak period, and the big question is going to be what's about to happen here around Thanksgiving leading into Christmas? We normally see spot market rates increase uh, anywhere from 10 to 25%, depending on the season uh, and the, the, you know, the unexpected volatility, if you will. Now, this year is going to be a little different, Anthony. What's happening? This year's a little different because we already have an extremely tight marketplace. We do. And we measure tender rejection rates here at Freightways, Waves. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this a little bit on our midday market update uh, earlier in the week about how tender rejection rates are good measures of, you know, overall, like carrier sentiment market, dem- like what are, what's the capacity looking like in relation to what it was in the previous year, previous month, previous week, et cetera. The more carriers reject tenders or load requests from their shippers, that's a rejection of the rate that they're offered at, yeah. as well as the availability of their truck. They're not allowing them to use their space. They have options. They have options or they can't do it. And yeah. normally around this time of year, they can't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's because, you know, drivers come off, they go in the home time, but carriers also put these artificial boundaries, mileage boundaries around, uh, you know, a lot of the trucks and drivers so they make sure that they get them home because one of the big things that we've talked about this year driver retention, driver recruiting. Yeah, If you and get a driver, you got to hold on to them. That's a big part too. Just not
0: just that the, the markets have been tight, capacity has been tight, but now we're going to have fewer drivers available
1: because they want to be home with their families. Yeah. So supply side is normally the, the story around Thanksgiving and Christmas. This period of time, everybody, uh, you know, I worked in the space for years and everybody just assumed that it was because of surging demand because everybody's buying Christmas presents, et cetera. Actually, most of those Christmas presents... Had already been moved into DCs and warehouses. Why we see uh you know all this in maritime shipment. They have our good friend Henry Byers, market expert. Heard of them. Yeah. Uh Mike Bodendistel, Read our rail them. expert, talk about how maritime and rail peak seasons happen from late August into sometime in October typically. Yeah. And it starts to fall off. Well, they've been ramped up year over year. Import shipments have been going haywire. You know, we're up like five to 10% uh, for the last couple of months. Uh, the ports of Los Angeles, Long Beach have been overwhelmed. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, containers, shippers uh, you know, normally have to, uh, you know, they don't normally have to struggle to get freight filled in the box like they are right now because these boxes, these containers are just not available. So there can be there's tons of freight sitting in China that can't get loaded onto a container because they don't have it. Greg Miller writes about this uh, this week and basically says our containers, the new gold amid black swan. (laughs) I mean, this is this is an actually an extremely intriguing article to me because, uh, you know, I worked in freight like domestic freight for years. Yeah, yeah. Greg Miller has been in the maritime space. And we were talking a little bit earlier about. What, you know, to me, this sounds a lot like trucking in the United States. Yeah. So what we saw in 2018, everybody was trying to find capacity on their trucks. They're on trucks. They couldn't get it. All these carriers went out and bought at a premium yeah. class A tractors. And they were able to fill them relatively quickly. And then we all know what happened in 2019. Demand softened slightly. But more importantly, carriers Im- increased uh, their capacity, their yeah. size. And yeah. also we saw a huge influx of uh, carriers and, uh, you know, increasing carrier of, in the small market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't speak currently. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, you know, a lot of the small carriers came on, owner ops came out of the smaller fleets, et cetera. And it's kind of a cycle that goes mm-hmm. on. Then we saw that capacity come out of the market. Now, is the same thing going to happen here, Anthony? Are we, are we going to see these boxes that these maritime shippers, because normally the carriers, the ocean carriers, Purchase these boxes or lease them from these providers. And now they're paying a premium just to fill up the gap. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Well, I think, Zach, since you've asked, (laughs) I I think that from what I've noticed from trends within freight and transportation, because there is, I think, there's always been a lag, I feel like, within transportation. Um, When we see activity ramping up companies really kind of build out their fleets, or they really kind of try to ramp up hiring, but then they get all these things in place, and it's a little bit too late, and they can't really quite capitalize, and then since they've built up, their markets change, Mm -hmm. and so it'll be interesting to see if this lasts long enough for those changes that they make in their fleet to be recognized and actually utilized, because it seems like Um, there's a ramp up in activity. Hey guys, let's, let's, let's ramp up our fleets. Let's ramp up uh, our our workforce. Okay. Activity dies down. Okay. We have too much. And now we have this pandemic situation, which no one really knows how long it's going to last or what's going to be really impacted. Um, So I think there's always a bit of a delay. And I think um, that could be really kind of trickling from, you know, larger players in the market that can really control what's happening on their end. And then some of this smaller midsize kind of fill the gaps there. But um, I think there's always a little bit of a slight lag.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because the uh, the ocean shippers, the, you know, all the the big carriers, the big three, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have the Alliance 3M, um, you know, then you have Maersk, all that. I'm not a maritime guy, but, yeah. you know, we, we have all those major shippers, and they control most of the capacity. They figured out how to control the ship's capacity, mm-hmm. but they, now it looks like, they're not necessarily in control of their box capacity, yeah. which has become, you know, another added aspect of things. Because as we all know, uh, as a transportation provider, you get all this surging demand and you have to go out and spend this money that you've just gotten on something that can haul this freight that will last forever. Yeah. Well now, because it does make a lot of short-term sense to go out and buy these boxes they're going out and buying them. Now here's an interesting quote from this article. Um, and I'll read it. And it was from Hapag Lloyd, uh, you know, maritime carrier there. And they are basically the, the agriculture shippers mm-hmm. in the United States are complaining because they're not getting capacity. The, you know, Hapag Lloyd's sending these empty boxes back over to China because they need, the capacity over there and people are paying such a premium on the imports coming from China or, you know, exports going from China, depending on how you look at it, yeah. that it doesn't make sense for them to export agricultural goods. Yeah. So it's basically a tender rejection for yeah. maritime carrier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and what, what the spokesperson told FreightWaves in Greg Miller's article is, we continue to serve the agricultural exporters in the U.S. Uh, due to some significant supply chain bottlenecks, we have temporarily reduced our export volume. This is primarily impacting businesses, a business that consumes excessive container days at origin and destination. This is kind of reminiscent of how freight treats the agricultural or the, uh, you know, it's more traditional the food warehouses where you have significant delays at the origins. Um, it takes a few days, a lot of times, it takes several, you know, half a day to get loaded. Uh, at a lot of these food warehouses because there's a lot of, you know, regulation and things around food that are required that aren't necessarily there for your dry van goods. So yeah. it's it's interesting to me that this exists for the container side as well. So basically they're saying, we're not going to wait uh, to get these containers loaded because you have such cheap, you're paying such cheap rates. It actually makes more sense for just us to get these containers back to your place as fast as, or to China as fast as possible. Yeah. To get a premium on it. And that is... Exactly what happens when tender rejections go up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening right now. And so coming full circle back to my point I was going to make earlier with Thanksgiving is that a lot of what we're seeing with these elevated tender rejection rates being around 26 percent at the moment, um, a lot of that is simply carriers saying I have a better option, mm-hmm. and it's not what we traditionally see, which is I'm going to go and service. I, I don't have a truck that can service uh, your freight right now. Right, true. And it's, it's fascinating to me to see this unfold on a macro, a global scale yeah. versus just your simple. Um, and the big question around this, Anthony Smith, is, you know, we have these bottlenecks on this, you know, sitting out over there across the ocean. Uh, do you think that this is going to have a negative or positive impact on the domestic freight market or economy even? I think
0: it definitely could have an impact on the economy because we're looking at um, some like. So, for instance, the producer price index. When we're seeing in times of a good economy, we have um, the producers have a little bit more availability to, to increase their prices if things are a little bit more expensive to pull in, mm-hmm. and the economy is doing well, they'll they'll pass that 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 hit on to the consumer because they can right. take that hit. Now, in times of not so good uh, economic trends or or cycles, um, recessions, things like that, they'll take that hit because mm-hmm. they don't want to shrink their potential, uh, uh size of, um, The consumers that they're they're serving to. So like, Mm -hmm. hey, maybe I'll keep my demographic. Maybe I'll keep these available consumers to purchase from. So I think in the long term or in the short term, near term, since it's such a tricky spot (laughs) with COVID-19 times, they might try to take that hit just to kind of maintain their pricing right now domestically. So I think Mm -hmm. there could be some macroeconomic impacts on it Mm -hmm. if it's
1: getting a little bit more pricey to kind of um, get goods over here for overseas. Right. So, yeah, it's it's getting a lot more expensive, but it's also hurting our economy because they can't export these goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know if, you know, we have this like obviously we have some predetermined agreements with these countries to purchase a certain amount of our agricultural goods uh, without breaking down those trade agreements. But if they're not purchasing those, that's less money coming into the United States. Yeah. So to me, that's kind of increasing the imbalance between. Asia (laughs) specifically and the United States, which in the big news this week, Asia, a lot of Asian countries came together and developed a trade agreement. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do you, I mean, I think think that's
0: going to be a more common thing. Um, especially as we saw with the Brexit, um, um, I think, uh, this is one of the things I, uh, I remember being at a round table with the Few other wise economists was that there's going to be I think a lot more potential trade deals or smaller trade agreements that pop up whether it be in Europe or some kind of like Mediterranean trade deal or something like that that will really kind of is this kind
1: of like what NAFTA was like just kind of a a region getting together yeah and and basically saying okay we're going to give discounts for us mm-hmm. to basically say all right you use my goods I'll use your goods we're going to discount kind of have a trade coalition yeah if you will yeah and that kind of, I mean, obviously it's beneficial mm-hmm. to us and a lot of people in the, in the region, uh, because you can source cheaper yeah, um, and you get discounts on those type of goods. But if you're not producing the things you need, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of electronics being developed in Mexico right now. Right. Yeah. You
0: build up that dependency and then you're, are you really executing on your absolute advantage mm-hmm. or um, domestically? And so I, I think there was a, a few other things that was tied into NAFTA that Folks weren't too happy about for sure. Um, So now we have the was it USMCA that's kind of underway. Which I wonder if we'll have any more modifications come January with that. So, um, but but yeah, I think when we're looking at any kind of trade agreement deal, I think you can really kind of ease into more market efficiencies when you're when you're like opening up trade agreements. Now you're allowing certain countries or certain. Uh, companies to produce what they're good at, what they're efficient at, and the open up to competition. I get under, understand why some countries want to protect um, their local producers, their 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 farmers, things like that. Um, from like the kind of like what we've done, yeah. <laughs> but those programs, are, I think we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Once you put those pro- kind of programs in place, they're hard to take back, and it's, it's just like you put in certain subsidies, you can't take those away. It's just. Uh.
1: So, do you think that this agreement, this Asian agreement? is beneficial or harmful to the United States economy, or neither? I think it might put pressure
0: on mm-hmm. the United States economy, and I think pressure's good, because now it forces mm-hmm. the U.S. to find more efficient trade agreements. And, and I think that efficiency is gonna really kind of push towards whether it be more domestic, uh, lucrative domestic deals for local producers or domestic producers. I think that is going to really kind of push the needle forward, so I, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think mm-hmm. if you kind of put pressure on the U.S., somehow, somewhere, they're gonna find a way, um, as history has shown so far, uh, to kind of really kind of answer that call. So I think there could
1: be good pressure mm-hmm. on the U.S. in the long term. So, uh, transitioning, segueing away from that slightly, here, you know, I think that's a good point that you're making that's saying like, you know what, competition's healthy. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. I don't, I don't, uh, the one thing I think everybody's still concerned about though is what China, now that they obviously are going to have more influence over some of these countries like Japan and Mm -hmm. South Korea, who are really more westernized, (laughs) uh, versions of the, the Asian circles. And of course, Vietnam has become an increasing, uh, you know, place of sourcing for a lot of shippers. Yeah now it it's essentially kind of mixing the pot together a little bit so it's not necessarily like oh we'll show you china and go to vietnam it's we're going to you know maybe we are still getting the same product just from a different uh you know bank really like yes. this different currency uh going on over there what well, time will tell but in the near term so i wrote a chart of the week article this week did you i did i write one every week <laughs> and you know, it was based on imports mm-hmm. coming in through the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. And I combined that with our rail, uh, imp- our rail volumes, yeah. leaving Los Angeles, loaded rail volumes, as well as our OTVI, yeah. which is our trucking tenders. And, you know, it looked to me like customs, imports, these are just shipments that are clearing customs, hitting the port of Los Angeles had been on a steady decline and it was hard for me to discern exactly what was causing that decline is it reduced demand from shippers is it other is it something else it looks like to me it's reduced demand because it's a very smooth trend line down yeah. now it's still outperforming year over year i mean you still i mean if you looked at 2019 2018 imports are still blowing up yeah. Like we're still exceeding last year's levels by a good clip. It's just coming back down to earth a little bit. Got you. Uh, the thing that I noticed was that we did not see the same trend line down from either rail or trucking. Now, a few days later, of course, rail volumes start to come down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, a lot of that was the international container volumes, the 20s and the 40s, uh, a lot of that. But I, I think a lot of that trend line down has to do with these bottlenecks. Now, they're not just bottlenecks hitting China, like we talked about with the containers. This is not, it's not just that, but it's also the fact that the ports are so heavily congested. And this is something that I was talking to Greg Miller about earlier as well. The ports are so heavily congested that they cannot get these containers um, through customs. They're basically ships sitting out in the water and anchored. So to me, this is a sign that we could see even more of a peak season because once those ships start coming in out of the docks and then we have all this freight sitting in China, of yeah. course, if, if that freight never hits a boat, like they just destroy it. I mean, yeah. there's there's all sorts of things that could happen if the economy really trails off. But all our stuff we're ordering for Christmas, mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. it can't get in fast enough. Yeah. So this to me is a signal that we are going to have an extended peak season coming up because there's still a ton of freight that has to move. And I think the difference between this year and, you know, previous years is an e-commerce driven Christmas. Yeah. So what do you, what's the difference between when you're going out on black Friday now, or, you know, in years past versus black Friday this year. Yeah. Last
0: year or years past you go in, it's going to be that one day all out blitz because there's sales, there's sales. Now this year it's like, Black like Friday level sales started now throughout the month. Come get it. Welcome to this mattress store. Why are there so many mattress stores? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Who was buying this many mattresses? And it, it seems sleep like there's is so important. many. I'm sorry for the, to just divert. On sleep the, is important to a lot of people. There are Anthony. so many mattress
1: stores. You on, get, you on literally are good if you get like three or four hours of sleep. You, you are, are.
0: It's inefficient. It's,
1: it's like you with the food. Yeah. You don't Most need people it. People like food and sleep. You don't need it.
0: It's oh overrated. I'm <laughs> sorry for today. <laughs> I'm just suspicious of so many mattress stores. If someone's out there in, a, in the mattress business, let me know why there's so many. And high Real estate areas like in New York, mm-hmm. Times Square. Why is there like a Sealy's on one end of the street? And I'm, at, I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. Get it. <laughs> I just want to know. But I, 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 I think, There is there is a, a significant difference in you know retail season in the past and retail season looking at now. And, and speaking of which, um, well, you mentioned spikes and how there might be an elongated spike. Another thing that's spiking, those COVID cases. Yeah. And with that, certain areas are starting to shut down again. We're starting to see uh, rollbacks from areas that were moderately opening up and kind of mm-hmm. easing back into life as we know it. Mm-hmm. But thing is now i think we're going to see a lot more pull forward and yeah. especially grocery stores because a lot of i think outlets are being are anticipating another rush to the
1: grocery store another rush to certain departments. Well, they are already stores. talking about it in certain parts of the country. Yeah. Uh the big cities obviously but i, I think the point being here uh, even if you are buying a mattress you know this time of year you're right. actually instead of going to the mattress store you go online you go online you got your e-commerce fulfillment your final mile in a box check out Freightonomics in the future where we do dissect the final mile upcoming little teaser for the future and how that has become an increasing, uh, you know, factor in repositioning or global supply chains and supply chain management has been a huge issue here over the last several months. But so instead of going to the store, everything comes out, everybody starts shopping the day after Thanksgiving. This year, people are still shopping the day after Thanksgiving because everybody's still going to wait till the last minute. But, there's been so many sales and so many promotions mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving this year. As you mentioned, Prime Day. We're going to see, instead of a peak, I think, just like we're seeing right now, we're seeing an elongated hill. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mountain, really. It's still a mountain, but it's an elongated hill, mountain, and it's going to last further and longer into 2021 as we still see demand. Because when you order online, you're okay with it coming a few days later. I want it the same day. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. But that. when you're ordering online, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But when you're going to a store, it has to be there.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm upset if I'm like, hey, yeah. where's my Fitbit? I want the Fitbit Versa Two
1: or a Charge, whatever. Where is it at? Yeah, and there was there was a there was a Bloomberg out that basically covers this and says, you know, here's the difference. Mm. So just like if you're, you know, in the store and you don't see that item on the store shelf, you move on and you go to something else. Yeah. The problem with e-commerce is if you don't reliably have the item that consumers are looking for, 50% of them will not return. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to find it somewhere else, too. That's a long-term thing, whereas yeah. a lot of these brick-and-mortars had some pretty strong loyalty. Yeah, You'd go to Macy's, you know what you're getting. You're getting your Tommy and they get you figure, with that, uh, figure.
0: Re- rewards card, yep. and they get you in the ecosystem.
1: Now you're incentivized. E-commerce, and... man. Obviously, Amazon has a lot of... Uh, availability, but they control, they control what the consumer sees and the Mm. retailers obviously have to have an agreement with them, which they've come under, uh, some criticism for in the past, but at the same time, they're providing the marketplace. They're the big box store for the e-commerce world, uh, essentially. Uh, and so when this, you know, once, if you don't see what you need online, you move on to the next spot. Mm -hmm. If you're not Amazon, they're moving on to the next store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they got options.
0: Yeah. And and Amazon definitely will have like, sometimes I'll like, I'll go on Amazon. And I'm like, Oh, I want X item mm-hmm. and X item might be out. But Amazon's like, Hey, something similar right here. Yep. I'm like, you got me again. Yep. And it, it without fail, I'm like, hey, oh you, you keep me in the ecosystem. I'm here. And you're, there's so many just substitutes within certain different product lines. And so mm-hmm. that's another big, uh, I think advantage for a certain e-commerce yep. like Amazon. Um, but we're looking at. Um, I was interested to see because today we had retail sales. That's, I was thinking,
1: It's like you read my mind.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we had retail sales getting yeah. updated today, um, and we saw that they're also oh, on a month-to-month basis. It mm-hmm. grew zero point three percent, which may not sound like a lot. May not, and it, it is slowing. It's slowing pretty noticeably. Okay, um, and I think that's one of the things that we touched on not too long ago. That it's going to probably uh, slow pretty much throughout the remainder of the year, but it's still 8.5% above the year ago level. Yeah. So on a year-over-year basis, retail sales is very robust. Um, different segments, of course, are gonna stay strong. So non-store retail sales, those e-commerce players, they're going to remain robust. They're gonna remain strong throughout the year yeah. into 2021. What about my restaurants? Restaurants, are, are they, they didn't do too well in no. this most recent report. No, I wouldn't um, expect they would. They didn't do too well. And they're probably going to struggle with, of course, colder weather and mm-hmm. increasing COVID cases, really limiting the amount of um, yep. activity and foot traffic coming in and coming through. Right. So that's going to be a big hindrance for mm-hmm. a few sectors. But I think just as we mentioned early on in the pandemic, there's going to be some Segments that are thriving and some that aren't doing too hot. One of those segments, of course, e-commerce, non-store retailers, mm-hmm. um, building products, materials, doing decently, of course, as always throughout the pandemic. Those <laughs> individuals work on those new house projects and things like that. But um, Right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely a mixed
1: bag, but we are starting to see some slower growth. Yeah. So we also had, Did we have some industrial numbers come out? This has been, so mm -hmm. we we kind of use our tender rejections also from the van side. We use that as kind of our regular general freight, CPG, things like that. Uh, Reefers, obviously your food um, and some hazmat industrial supply type thing. But Flatbed is typically our industrial sector. They're yeah. heavily tied to oil, automotive, lumber, obviously a big yeah. thing too. And they haven't just, the, the flatbed rejection rates have not come back. They, they started to show signs of growth and then they fell back off again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so on the industrial side, we are seeing some momentum building. So we saw a 1.1% growth for industrial production, but on a year-over-year basis, this is still down 5.3%. So- Still not there. Yeah, And, and the comps are not gonna get too, too much easier. when We're looking at year-over-year growth um, as we close out the rest of the remainder of the year. But we are starting to see some momentum build. And I'll admit when I'm I'm surprised or wrong in some forecast, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. Um, This was stronger than I anticipated. And it was also stronger than I anticipated for um, the ISM PMI, the Purchasing Managers Index, Mm -hmm. which had a robust jump in the new orders component. Um, I think it was seven point something percentage points in the new orders, So that signals that there is going to be some production down the line. Mm -hmm. non defense capital goods, new orders, which is a good measurement for business to business activity for capital goods. Um, showing that it's, it's on the rebound. It's not quite a, at year ago levels, but it's on the up and up. So there is some momentum building. So maybe some optimism can be built for the industrial sector slowly but surely as we enter 2021.
1: Trying to polish that, aren't you? We'll <laughs> Trying to make everybody feel better. We'll see. Industrial <laughs> obviously hasn't come back yet. Yeah. Uh, they're still working on it. Um, but yeah, I, the freight market doesn't need it, apparently. Not right no. now. Can you imagine if the industrial sector was humming along with, this retail nuts. consumption.
0: Uh, uh, definitely going to be seeing interesting to see if we get that second stimulus package come January. Yeah. Because that will light another fire I think under certain consumers. We will definitely
1: be keeping that one updated because the, the benefits are set to expire January 1st, mm-hmm. which has been supplementing a lot of people's income. Yeah. Um, but real fast, Anthony, while we're closing out the show, do you have your Christmas decorations up? No, I don't do Christmas decorations. Hmm. So you, you wouldn't put them up even after Thanksgiving? No. You no. don't put up Christmas decorations? No, 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 no. It never. makes sense. No, it I actually a, makes sense. I have a year-round you know. apartment. It's going to look the same throughout <laughs> the year. Um, how, I, how early is too early for Christmas decorations? How early is too early? It's, when you're driving around, are you upset when you see a Christmas decoration no, before Thanksgiving? You, it's
0: America. Live your life. You put it up in, in January 1st and keep it throughout the year if you want. I this mean, is ridiculous. Ridiculous. The, if you want to celebrate Halloween all year round, do it keep thanksgiving relevant thanksgiving is relevant and it should be turkey's amazing food is amazing turkey's amazing i wish i i I might break my my (laughs) dietary ways for turkey i don't know (laughs) also i forgot it's been a while i know we're closing out now i haven't got given a shout out recently to our amazing media team uh emela back there Uh, i think we have brandon is brandon still an intern Brandon the intern. No? No, he's not. (laughs) Look at him, Brandon, uh, with the team. Uh, We also have Crystal. Welcome, Crystal. Um, And Aaron.